Hello and welcome to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. Conversations with inspiring business people throughout the three counties of Herefordshire, Worcestershire and Gloucestershire. And now it's time for today's episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Thriving Three Counties podcast. I'm Dan Barker and I'm here in the studio with today's guest. She's from a family of Herefordshire cider makers who've been honing their craft for eight generations. The family farmers diversified in more recent years to include hop fields and vines. The cider company Celtic Marches now have a sister company, Marches Bottling and Packaging, which is less than five miles away and helps maintain their goal to reduce their environmental impact. Here the ciders are packaged and other producers in the drinks industry utilise contract packaging and laboratory services. The vines used to produce wine under the name of Radlow 100, described as a bold range of wines, each with a nod to the much-loved local area. She is Sue Vaughan. How are you doing, Sue? I'm doing extremely well, Dan. Thank Excellent. you for having me today. Not at all. Thank you very much for coming in, because uh, I've seen from everything you sent me, that you're a pretty busy lady. <laughs> Gosh, yes, especially after now lifting of some of the restrictions as a result of COVID, and we're coming into summertime, and the weather is getting hot outside, going to be 26, 27 on Sunday. So you can imagine, even with a few little restrictions still in place, cider sales are starting to boom. Yeah. And during COVID, stocks did still continue to deplete Mm -hmm. with many of our customers but of course they weren't refreshing their stocks because they didn't know what the future held Mm -hmm. and now suddenly absolutely (laughs) inundated with orders right contract work new product development you name it yeah i can imagine yeah it's all kind of coming at once the lifting the restrictions and summer and Everyone just wants to get back out and drink cider in a nice pub garden, I suppose. Absolutely. So it's all, <laughs> co- it's all coming at the same time. But I'm not complaining. It's lovely and it's positive. Yeah. And it's like a new dawn for us to pick up the mantle and run again after COVID and hopefully get all the businesses back onto an even footing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, like cider itself seems to have undergone a bit of a... I don't know if I'm a bit late, late, but it seems to me like the last few years it's kind of boomed, really. Cider. It has boomed, uh, very much so in the last few years. Lots and lots of little cider makers out there emerging into the marketplace mm-hmm. and giving so much choice to the consumer. Mm-hmm. I just only wish that we had some greater support from some of the large supermarkets to just display the range of diversity there is out there for cider right okay come on supermarkets you know let's see a little bit more uh, local support we Mm -hmm. do see a little bit of it from companies like the co-op who are very good Mm -hmm. and they work very hard to have a local range but Mm -hmm. i think some of the others could work a little bit harder at it yeah yeah have they because it seems like they do that for beers maybe craft ales yes is that fair to say they do it a bit more probably craft ales get a better window than cider right okay but that's just my personal opinion others yeah. may disagree <laughs> with me but i i just think it's a shame that uh, there isn't a bigger window for the smaller 
craft cider producers yeah. in large supermarkets. However, having been through COVID, we see a tremendous leap in online sales for cider. Mm-hmm. So I think Joe Public is buying a lot more of their groceries and their wines, their drinks, etc., online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you go into your local supermarket car park now, you find they're not quite as busy as they used to be. Mm. Perhaps customers are buying their groceries online, but many are also looking to smaller producers, food producers, drinks producers, uh, to provide their requirements yeah i think when that uh in in the first lockdown you know when there was all the kind of everyone running out of toilet paper and everything yeah i think that maybe made people realize they need to look a little bit more local for their supplies of everything i guess i totally agree with you and i found that i've done that very much myself Mm -hmm. in the last 12 to 15 months I can count on one hand the number of times I've walked into a supermarket. I've tried as hard as I can to support local producers. Let's keep them alive. Let's keep them going. Mm. Let's Mm. keep the choice there for everybody. That's right, yeah, because if you don't support them and you lose them, that's it really, isn't it? Exactly, they they won't be back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, it's important because when things go bit wrong <laughs> like they did suddenly you need stuff and um, it's better to have it available down the road than it is like coming in from wherever via a, a supermarket and exactly and there's some wonderful local butchers green grocers mm-hmm. bakers all small businesses and they all need our support mm. so i really hope that uh, joe public decides to continue that support even now with covid restrictions all being lifted yeah 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 no we're very lucky around here i think particularly in ledbury uh, we've got some great independent shops and uh, and butchers and everything and so normally they survive and keep yeah, going yeah exactly and it's it's a nicer shopping experience, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm not having a go at supermarkets. We use supermarkets, but it is lovely when you go to your local shops and you know everyone's name and they exactly. know you and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, we've often said that because we tend to try and shop quite a bit in Ledbury itself, you know, if one of the kids or someone was to to get lost, you know, go out and on in the town on their own for some reason, probably most people would know who they were and how to return them, which is uh, feels like something from decades ago, doesn't it? But uh, yeah, cool. So uh, as I said in the intro, you're from eight generations of cider makers, is that right? Well, I suppose commercially we've been making cider for the last sort of 10 to 20 years. But I mean, prior to that, yes, making cider. But cider was made for the farm workers, uh, mm-hmm. made for the farmer, made for local people. It, it, it was just made as a drink for, for local consumption, not necessarily for commercial reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then 20 years ago, uh, my brother started uh, supplying Magnus and okay. uh, other cider producers like Westerns with his cider fruit. And then he started actually pressing for them as well. Right, okay. And uh, pressing the cider apples for them and uh, producing the, the bulk juice. Okay, right. And we went from there, really. Uh, I'd, I'd worked previously in major cider manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said to me, 
let's do it ourselves. Let's <laughs> you and I do it. Yeah. And uh, to be totally honest, uh, another small local cider producer, I actually bought a couple of pallets of boxes off them and just created my own artwork and stuck a label on it. Right. And that's how I started selling it, actually <laughs> hiding behind someone else's cider. Oh, right. I promise <laughs> I only did that for a few months. <laughs> and then we started to... We, produce our own in bag in box and it was just rob and i doing it rob's still running his farming business right. myself bringing up my two youngest children who were little toddlers at the time yeah they've got two older brothers mm -hmm. and as they gradually went to nursery went to school i spent more and more time working on the cider and the bag mm -hmm. in box business got bigger and bigger and then people started asking us for bottles uh, so we started selling bottles, and then it went on from there to kegs. Right, yeah. And all the time we were doing this, we were contracting it out, meaning other people were bottling our cider for us, other people were boxing our cider for us, mm. and obviously contracting out our kegging. Then, unfortunately for us, the local company that were boxing for us and kegging our cider for us were taken over by another company and they shut down so we had where this was going to happen we ensured we had plenty of stock in warehouse for a good few months mm -hmm. and then we set about setting up our own oh, production cool. facility for actually <laughs> packaging our own products yeah and so a bit of a scramble and we managed <laughs> to pull it all together in about six months wow and away we went. <laughs> and we now are able to do our own boxing, bottling, canning and kegging. So we're totally self-sufficient uh -huh. uh, in-house. And we have total control of our production from the growing of the cider apple right through to the product going wow. out into the retail market. That's That's got to be pretty rare. Um I, I guess for a, at least for a company your size. Yes, I would say it probably <laughs> is. and. And I don't deny it has been challenging. <laughs> <laughs> and having come from major cider manufacturing, yes, I knew I, my forte was sales and marketing and brand development. Mm -hmm. But I certainly didn't know a lot about production machinery. Right, yeah. All about, oh, I knew a little bit about laboratory work, but not an awful lot. So it's, that's been a learning curve for me. But yeah. I have to say we have some excellent staff on board. And uh, we haven't got one weak link. They're absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And, and I can't praise them highly enough. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. That sounds like, um, I mean, sales and marketing is kind of, I'm reading a book at the moment where he's, you know, he's just making the point that as an entrepreneur, sales and marketing is like, that's what you've got to do. And everything else you can get people, you know, you can find good people to, to do, I suppose. So do, do you feel like you're a, you know, if you'd have been really into the side of production, it may have been a struggle to get the business going because you didn't have that sales and marketing. I was fine experience. starting off the sales and marketing, but I'm I'm a bit of an old crock now, and <laughs> I need a few younger people around me. And I've got an absolutely um, superb team around me yeah. who are much younger than me, and 
I've got have brilliant ideas on how to drive the business, take it forward, yeah. how to design the labels, and I just stand back and I give them their head because <laughs> they know better than me in lots of instances. I can assure you, yeah, and I'm yeah. quite happy for them to take the lead. Yeah. I think it's important to give to give your uh, employees their head mm-hmm. and allow them to express themselves and drive their own ideas forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it gives them a sense of a sense of ownership to what they're doing, and gosh, they come up with wonderful ideas for for marketing and promoting our products and mm. things I would never think of, and how to develop <laughs> our labels and different ideas. Yeah, they're superb. I couldn't be without them. What's the What's the wackiest uh, marketing idea? Wow, come that's up with? a good one. Um, <laughs> gosh, I can't think off the top of my head one of the wackiest things they've done. But I'm sure there are a few. But no, you've stumped me there. <laughs> okay, I, I'll I let you mull that one of, over in your let subconscious. Let me mull that one over. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So, uh, so you kind of you grew up on a farm, did you? Then or? I did. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I grew up so on a farm, and I wasn't sort of uh, really surrounded by apple growing and, and that apple sort of growing, thing. Apple um, growing, hop growing, beef cattle sheep though actually I was more interested in horse riding and looking after my pony than I was in what was going on the farm at that time yeah yeah okay Uh, I've just realized I haven't given out your uh website address and everything yet so let's just do that quickly while we uh yeah please do because you're at celticmarches.com which is the cider company uh the bottling and packaging is at marchesbp.com and the radlow hundred is at radlow100.co.uk cool <laughs> yeah absolutely um so yeah okay so you grew up around around all of that and then you said you went into sort of big cider making companies um yes um part of my family were involved in cider manufacturing in birmingham not branded products that that are well known but as with many other companies in many other areas of food and drink production, providing own labels. There's lots and lots of companies out there who provide own labels for the supermarkets okay, that you right. probably don't even know exist. Uh, all, the, okay. all the different own label biscuits, breads, meats, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. And we actually produced own label cider. We did lots of own label cider for the supermarkets, brewers, all sorts of uh, different companies. Uh, okay. All right, so... And that was the area I worked in, and then I left that to have a couple more children. I've got four boys. Excellent. (laughs) Busy times. Yeah, (laughs) and as I said, as the two little ones gradually went to nursery and to school, that was when I started Celtic Marches with my brother. Okay, excellent. And um, cool. So one thing about that story that I wanted to ask you then, when you, you know, you're saying your brother started pressing for the big companies um and then decided to go go on your own was that kind of tricky to say to them look we're you know effectively going into competition with them no 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 not at all uh they're so large and vast you know they wouldn't be interested in the slightest with uh someone on their own uh, labelling up a few boxes as I was at the time. <laughs> they probably felt sorry for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll never work. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we met some great people and uh, these people obviously 
for instance, Magnus, for instance, one gentleman who used to work for Magnus, I was talking to him yesterday, he works for a, uh, another company now, another drinks company, and we're now actually going to do some contract packing for them. So oh, I made okay. some good contacts during that time. Okay, yeah. okay. And yeah, that idea of, uh, you know, having to do the packaging yourself and, and everything and working out how to do it, uh, I'm sure, like, you know, you said... It was quite a frantic few months. And Absolutely. I'm sure you've kind of made it sound a lot easier than it was. Oh, roller coaster ride. <laughs> and still is because yeah. that business continues to grow. Right. And the elements that you put in place, the machinery, the tanks, the pipework, the boiler, mm-hmm. all these different systems, pasteurizing system, carbonating system you put in place at the time, mm-hmm. you do outgrow them. Right. You know, okay. And so. Yeah. Every year will bring brings its challenges. You know, we've just mm-hmm. we've just had some new tanks come in from China. Right. Okay. And I was nervous. I think, my goodness, you know, I'm ordering tank, t- uh, tanks from China. I'm nervous about that. Will they be okay? You know, drawings were sent over. Mm-hmm. Then, then we were nervous because of COVID. Would they make it through the Suez Canal? Then and there was a problem in the Suez <laughs> yeah, Canal. Yeah. If you remember, yeah. a couple of months ago, there was a jam and up our boat was coming because you can actually watch you can watch the progress of the boat carrying your equipment right you can watch it online okay cool so i saw this jam in the suez canal yeah (laughs) and i saw our boat coming along with our tanks on and i'm thinking oh my goodness me it's going to get stuck in the queue (laughs) going through the suez canal and then it's not going to arrive on time and then the engineers we've booked to fit yeah. the tanks in, they'll have jobs somewhere else, so it could delay us by months. But as it happens, as our boat chugged up the side of, up and around and up the side of Africa, mm. it cleared in the Suez. So by the time it got to the Suez, <laughs> it chugged its way through and it arrived into Felixstowe, I think it was Felixstowe or Harwich, on time. Wow. <laughs> but uh, interesting times. It, it never stands still, and you're yeah. always having to get new equipment, new machinery, upgrade it. There's always little bits and pieces, little tweaks you can you can do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's good to know that because I always feel as a uh, with what we do, it feels like there's always something a bit more equipment that you need. You're like, there's oh, I could just do with that. And... A little bit more. <laughs> a little bit more that that you need. But we have excellent, again, at March's Bottling and Packaging, we've got a fantastic team yeah. in place. Uh, the production manager is superb. Mm-hmm. He handles, uh, handles crises in his stride. He never panics. Yeah, yeah. He never worries about anything. He just deals with everything in a very competent, calm manner. Yeah. And uh, that helps a lot. But that, you know, that comes from the top as well, doesn't it? Because I get the feeling, I mean, we've only just met and I get the feeling that you're pretty calm and collected. And Most of the time. You know, you've obviously got a lot going on, but <laughs> you seem pretty chilled, really. Do you know, the bigger the crisis, the more easily I cope with it. Really? A little thing tends to panic me more than anything else. Right. I get more annoyed by going home tonight and perhaps finding I'd run out of decaf coffee. <laughs> and that would probably wind me up and irritate me more than anything else. Really? <laughs> so but the big things stuff. things that set me off, yes. Have you always been like that? Or is that something you've had to sort of work on as you've been building your no, business? No, I think, I, I think it's just, I think it's my natural personality that, that little things wind me up 
Yeah, but I, I mean, in terms of being chilled about the oh, big things. Oh, I see. Um, <laughs> is that something that, that has, has come with age? I think, yes, it's something that's come with age and experience. Right, okay, yeah. When you started, did you used to get a bit more flustered by the big things, do you think? Or? Uh, probably when I was younger, I did, yeah, yes. But, yeah. you know, tomorrow's another day and you you always find a way through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is just literally that experience, isn't it? Of yes, and you just go ride. You just ride the storm. Yeah. And every company has its problems and its issues, no matter what their size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's another thing that I sort of heard. You know, because I started out just me, kind of freelance photographer, and you, you're worrying about this and that. And you look at bigger companies, and you look at them, and you go, they're worrying about the same things it's just the numbers are bigger basically exactly exactly (laughs) i think you have to ensure you employ staff in whom you have total confidence and Mm -hmm. i think as i said to you at the start of our conversation i have total confidence and faith in my staff Mm -hmm. every single one of them Mm -hmm. i just trust them i don't have to go behind them and check up on them Mm -hmm. i know they are doing their job to the very best of their ability Mm -hmm. and in many aspects of their their different jobs, they know far more than me. Yeah. And yeah. I have to, and I trust in them, and I believe in them to do the job correctly. Yeah. You yeah, have to absolutely. surround yourself with good people. Yeah. Yeah. Who you like and who you can get on with, and who have the company's best interests at heart. I'd mm. say the one one thing. I really dislike is politics in the workplace Mm, and that I don't like and I do my best to erase any politics in the workplace I don't like it at all right how how, how do you do that just talk talk straight up about it just being open and and bring things out into the open and talk and keep everybody moving together in the same direction always Mm -hmm. helping each other and supporting each other as Mm -hmm. colleagues and I would like to say, touch wood, I hope this is a wooden table, (laughs) that they are all like that and they do all work together and pull in the same direction. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So that, you know, the the stuff we're talking about is is leadership really, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, is is that something that you've had to study, work on, learn as you've grown the business? Because presumably when it was you and your brother, you know, it's, it's a different... I think I learnt about (laughs) leadership in my previous role Mm -hmm. because I did have a team of a sales and marketing team and we were working in an FMCG market, fast moving consumer goods market Mm -hmm. and everything was busy and time was of the element. And I worked really hard with that team and made sure the people I selected to be in that team always supported each other. And when I employed them and and they joined the team, I made it adamantly clear to them that they supported their colleagues and they worked together as a team. Mm -hmm. I would not tolerate any politics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If If you see your colleague is struggling, help them. Yeah, yeah. Because one day they may you may want their help mm-hmm. help each other drive for the same goal mm-hmm. yeah excellent sounds very sensible <laughs> well it's good for the business well yeah that's it isn't it because you see a lot of people who 
kind of can't let go as well and can't let go you know you're saying about surrounding yourself with people that can do it better than you can absolutely you see a lot of people who sort of think that no one can do it as good as they can and hold on really tight and end up getting really stressed as a result because they're trying to do everything control everything but it kind of um you need to go to that next level don't you and say look actually i'm not the only person that can do this thing there's actually people out there that can do it just as well if not better than me yeah absolutely i agree with you if anything you need to be finding people who can do it better than you yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, really important. That's a very good point, actually. That's that almost becomes your job, doesn't it? I suppose to find people who can do it better than you, and then bring all those people together. You're yeah. the one. You're the glue that sticks them all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, cool. Uh, and um, so it's you and your brother then still. Uh, the yes, my brother and I, um, and my partner Darren, mm-hmm. uh, the three of us head it all up together. Cool. My number three son, Finley, comes and helps out in the holidays. He's taking his A-levels at the moment. Uh, My nephew, James, he started working in March's bottling and packaging now. Mm -hmm. And my other nephew, Henry, works on the farm growing and harvesting the apples. And he's learning all about vines at the moment. Oh, excellent. Cool. So uh, who knows, in 20 years' time, he'll he'll be busy uh, winemaking, hopefully, at the same level we're making cider. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I yeah. hope I'm here to see it. <laughs> I'm sure you will be. That must be, uh, it must be really nice to be able to bring in your, your kids and nephews and, and everything yeah, it, into the business. You have to keep looking to the future, hence that's why we've planted the vines. Yeah. Um, as I said, you know, 20, 30 years' time, I, I, I may not be here, but you have to leave something for them to continue mm-hmm. continue on with. Life never stays still. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it all, it's always moving all the time, everything. It's a moving feast yeah. the whole time, and you just have to keep moving your business with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You never get to this point. I think we kind of tend, or maybe you don't, but I kind of tend to think in my head there's this time that you get to when everything sort of levels out and you're going to like cruise for a bit and, you know, nothing major is going to happen. But it just doesn't happen, does it? No, it doesn't happen like that Life's not like that. (laughs) It's not like that at all. You just have to, you just have to keep going, going along with it. For instance, let's give you an example. COVID. Mm-hmm. Just before we locked down for COVID in March, I bet I met my lovely cousin Kate Turner for a coffee mm-hmm. in Cafe Nero's in Malvern, and we sat and chatted. And she's saying, "Oh, her husband Chaz had said, oh, with COVID coming, perhaps you know, should look at making hand sanitizer." She said, "What do you think about that?" I said. Oh, I don't know about that. I wouldn't know where to start <laughs> with hand sanitizer. Um, but you know, perhaps that's perhaps that's a good idea. Anyway, yeah. the restrictions came in, and we had further discussions about hand sanitizer. And with the drop off in business, that's what we did. Right. We teamed up with our family at Penrose Gin, who are up in Kington. And we produced Two Cousins Hand Sanitizer. Excellent. <laughs> so for a period of about six to nine months, we were making hand sanitizer and selling <laughs> hand sanitizer as the gin sales and the cider sales had all depleted. Yeah, yeah. 
Just adapting to the, uh, Absolutely. the market. Yeah, it was good fun <laughs> while we did it. We sold lots of hand sanitizer. We learned all about making hand sanitizer. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, after six or nine months, there were the larger companies kicking in, putting plant and everything in place, and the whole market was absolutely saturated yeah, with hand but, sanitizer. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we'd had a bit of fun for six to nine months selling it, and yeah. it had helped plug the gap mm. where we'd lost cider sales and in Kate and Chaz's instant gin sales. Yeah, sure. Oh, and we're still selling a little bit of hand sanitizer even now. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. That was a bit of an adventure, learning how to do that <laughs> and having to source the ingredients, different types of packaging, understanding the regulations behind it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like no, I said, great. we still sell a little weeny bit of it now. It's, uh, it's fun, I think, because... Um, you know, I've come from a, a job and then started my own business and, and moved across and everything and learning to sort of say, yes, I can do something and then figure it out is kind of a real thrill, I think. Absolutely. I know you shouldn't obviously go too close to the edge of that, but it's fun when something comes up and you're like, yeah, we can do that. And then you sort of scramble under the surface to get it, to, to learn how to do it and then you can you can do it at the the other side. Yeah, we had great fun doing it actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet no, that sounds good. So, um, tell us about these vines then. They're, they're a recent. They thing, are. They? We uh, planted our vines uh, ooh, just over a year ago. Right. Okay. And we planted a couple of different varieties of vines. We have southerly facing slopes. Mm-hmm. near our apple orchards we've got some apple orchards on southerly facing slopes on the farm and next to it um, we had a couple of fields mm-hmm. which we'd use for grazing sheep and we decided to plough up those fields and use them for planting vines those were going to be our experimental fields Right. Uh, we met a lovely gentleman in his 80s who was an absolute whiz on I can't. I can't think what the term is actually for being an expert on vines, but uh, yeah, a vine a, expert. <laughs> yeah, a, a vine expert. Yeah, and he was marvelous. He helped us. Yeah. We analysed the soil. He helped us choose that field. We hired a company from down in Brighton, as I remember, who go all over the country planting vines. They're mo- they're like a mobile travelling unit for planting vines all over the country. And they came to us. They yeah. planted all the vines for us. And away we went. Luckily for us, we'd got the tractors that were the right size from having fruit trees. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have smaller tractors that can go up and down the rows with the fruit okay, trees. Yeah, and yeah. we ensured we implanted, the, we planted the vines so the same tractors could be okay. utilised for <laughs> going up and down the vines. Right. And away we went. Cool. And so we are, we're on a learning curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you're making wine, the Radlow 100. The Radlow 100... Um, We've got, got those made for us by another winemaker for the mm-hmm. time being. Yeah. Um, to a recipe that we wanted them obviously made to. Yeah. Uh, to provide the right taste and flavour that we liked. Mm-hmm. And eventually, in the next couple of years, our own grapes will will be going into making those wines. Okay. Is that that's that's how long it, it doesn't take that long then to get to a point where you can start making wine no, from no, your no, own grapes? No, no, we're only a couple uh, okay. of years away. Yeah. So I had it for some reason. I thought it was like a you know, ten twenty year. No, kind of gosh, no, no. No, okay, all right, and that's cool. Who knows 
where that's going to take us, where that yeah. journey will take <laughs> us. But the English wine market is growing. Yeah. So yeah. many small vineyards now around the UK. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like you need a project, basically. I always <laughs> when need a project. When things get going, you're like, <laughs> right, I need, I, need, I need to plant some vines now, do something else. I'm always looking for a project. Even in my personal life, I'm always looking for a project. I'm sort of, I, I love history and I'm sort of doing my, tracing my ancestry. So that's my, oh, yeah. my private project at home. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. And what did your parents do? Were they farmers or? Yes, my father was a sort of a farmer uh, and a businessman. Yep. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Growing apples and fruit. Growing, growing apples and hops, uh, beef cattle, sheep farming. Okay. Yeah. yeah we okay. come from, we say eight generations, but there was a little bit of a skew in that that the farm was actually inherited from an uncle, not directly from a okay. a great grandfather. Uh, Rob and I, our heritage is we're predominantly Welsh. Right, okay. From yeah. my father's family being from Mid Wales and my mother's family being from South Wales. Right, okay. Excellent. Cool. And um, I had a question. What was I going to ask you about the uh, about that? Oh, I forgot. It'll um, come back. <laughs> sorry? It'll come back. It'll come back, exactly. Uh, cool. So, I mean, the future looks pretty pretty busy. It does guys. look busy. <laughs> yes, there's, there's there's plenty going on. I've I've always got a list that I'm forever adding to, ticking off at the top and adding to at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. And are you good at sort of taking time out and time away for your, you know? I'm not too to bad. <laughs> uh, with the lifting of some of the COVID restrictions, I think it was back in the middle of May, wasn't it? We we went away walking in the dales for a yeah. couple of days with our border terriers. That's another. Nice. That's one of my private passions. Is my border terrier? Oh yeah. <laughs> my border terrier dogs. I've bred one litter of border terrier puppies, and right, uh, okay. I'm hoping to breed another. But we took nice. our border terriers up to Yorkshire, and we went went walking for the weekend once nice. the first lot of COVID restrictions yeah. were lifted and you could go and stay in hotels. <laughs> and that was good. So you, you, you're you good at kind of switching off and, and getting away from it? Not too bad, but yeah. my, ph my phone is always on. Yeah. If my phone rings, I will answer it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Because you never know. You never know what's going on, yeah, exactly. yeah. Even though you've got that team, something just could come yeah. up. That, um, and it might be a yes or a no answer, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And and I mean, we've talked about obviously leadership and growing the team and everything, but what, what do you think's been the biggest challenge or one of the biggest challenges for you in, in growing your business then? One of the biggest challenges at the moment obviously is is producing enough stock. Right, okay. We have got an absolutely cram to the hilt production plan. Yeah. Up to the end of August at the moment, mm -hmm. right, and well. we've still got the phone is still ringing, <laughs> uh, asking for more contract packing. Right. Okay. So we're doing our best to squeeze people in. So the biggest challenge at the moment is to keep upgrading the equipment, mm -hmm. and trying to meet all the requirements mm. and all the demands that are placed on us. So I suppose there's a risk that if you sort of expand too much. And then that demand just drops off, then you're left with you right, know, exactly. too much on un unused capacity. So you've got to kind of 
grow it gradually rather than saying yes to absolutely everything. Or utilise our machinery by moving on to a shift system. Okay. We're working right. long hours at the moment, but I could see we may have to move to a shift system. Go to 24-7. And utilise our existing machinery. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's uh, quite a big step, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, because you've got to put all the people <laughs> in place, and of course you're doubling up on your expertise. Uh, okay, what do you mean in, in what way? Well, if you have a production manager and a laboratory manager, uh, okay, and they're yeah, only yeah. there... For Eight till four, shift. ten yeah. to six. You still need that expertise on the next shift. So, okay, so yeah. that's where the challenge comes. You have to double up on your expertise. Yeah, and you've got to find people that they're happy to work with and everything, I suppose, yeah. as well, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Now, uh, so we, we met through, we should give Helen a little shout-out, shouldn't we, at sunlikeatsocial.com, I think, um, or .co.uk. Super-duper social media guru, Helen Crease. Yeah. And her team, who've been with us for a number of years, we just couldn't do without her. Yeah, yeah, okay. And you do lots of social media marketing, presumably. She's then. brilliant at it. She organises the team, we take her lead on it. Yeah. And uh, she gives us a big list every week of what they're doing and what she wants from us, and we do our best to fulfil it and yeah. come up with what she wants. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she really does know her stuff, and um, we wouldn't be without her. Yeah, 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 she's great. And what's your kind of strategy around social media marketing? I mean, are you looking... Is it a kind of brand building exercise? Very much a brand building exercise. Yeah. Okay. So, so getting people to associate your brand with, you know, a certain feeling, you know, fun, quality. Yeah, so we've got a number of different brands, so that they've got different aspects to them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Helen tailors the social media according to the brand and what we're what we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. She's much better at, at, at this than me. I've got, I've got no idea. I just stand back and, and, <laughs> and take the advice. But she knows yeah. exactly how to gauge an audience. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Cool, okay. Well, um, I'm going where's, to... Where's the best people... The best place for people to, to find you? Should they just come to your website or should they kind of come and find you on, uh, on the LinkedIn's and the Twitter's and the Facebook's and everything? What's the best... On any of the social media, you can find us quite easily. Mm-hmm. And we have online shopping for all our products. Okay. Right. Or just give us a ring. If, if somebody yeah. would like to order some of our products, just give us a ring. Okay, fantastic. And we can help you out from there. So CelticMarches.com if they're after a bit of cider. Yep. Uh, MarchesBP.com if they're after a bit of bottling and packaging. Yes. Which they may well be. <laughs> and the Radlow 100 .co.uk if they're after a bit of wine. Indeed. Got it all catered for. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Cool. Well, uh, I'll put all those links onto the show notes and everything so people will be able to find you easily. And uh, thank you very much again for, for coming in. Thank you very much for having me, Dan. I've really enjoyed our chat. No problems. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. You can find links to all the episodes and show notes over at danbarkerstudios.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show and connect more people in the region. Thank you very much for your time listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next time.